Well, good morning, everyone. I'd like to invite you to open up your Bibles to Psalm 19. We return to our study of the Psalms now this morning as we are in Psalm 19. It's one of my favorite Psalms, and it speaks of the way that the Lord communicates how He speaks to us, His people. And so as we read through, just a few things for you to uh, notice as we read through it this morning before we come to the sermon is first that we see really three sections here in Psalm 19. The first one will speak of what we call general revelation or how the Lord communicates through what He has created. Through the created world, we learn truth about who God is. The second section, beginning in verse 7, going through verse 11, speaks of what we call His special revelation or how He speaks to us in His Word, the Bible, and Scripture. And finally, we see in verses 12 through 14 our response. How we respond to these words that are spoken to us about God. And I want you to look as we read through how the Word of God is to change us. So here now, the Word of the Lord, Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them He has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving His chamber. And like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Let us pray. Father God, we come to You now in Your Word and we ask, O Lord, that You would send forth Your Spirit and power and that You would anoint the preaching of Your Word and the hearing of Your Word. Lord, that we might truly be changed. Lord, in all the benefits, Lord, all that is spelled out here in Psalm 19, that it would become the possession of each who are here this morning. And we pray this through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. For some reason this week, I have felt particularly worn out from all the fallout from the coronavirus. 
It's that same feeling you have when you move to a new city or a new town. Being one that was raised in a military family, I felt like this a lot. You go to a new place and everything seems foreign. There are no givens any longer. All of our regular activities have been canceled or they've been modified. You go to Kroger and you have to wear a mask. You go out to eat and they have to take your temperature before you go into the restaurant. You have to wait in line now to go to stores. School is delayed or part-time or even 100% online. On top of all the uncertainties of schedules and activities is the constant feeling that normal behavior is now criminal. We've been thrown into a world where handshakes are threatening. Where play dates are irresponsible. Where we are told we are a threat to others if we do not stay home. And I know that it is not the most important thing, but what is fall going to be like if they cancel all the football? It's enough to make me feel like I'm not in my right mind. I wake up thinking about what is going on. I check the news to see if there are any more developments. I watch the national and local numbers and I try to discern where this thing might be headed. And then I find myself worn out from all the thoughts, all the words, and all the decisions that have been given over to this new reality. I imagine that I'm not the only one who has felt a bit out of their mind lately. We're all expecting that by the fall we would be past the worst of this and now we look into an uncertain future and we realize that there is very little hope that things will be substantially different in the next month or two. And in this world of uncertainty and confusion, we wonder, how are we to find focus and peace? In verse 14 of our psalm for this morning, we read this prayer of the psalmist. He says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. This is what Psalm 19 is about. It's about how our words and our thoughts are to come in line with what the Lord is teaching us. It is about seeing the world in such a way that is consistent with God's truth. You see, the reason we are feeling worn out, the reason we are feeling deflated, defeated, and frustrated is because we are not in a right state of mind. We have been given over to thinking that is shaped more by the voices of culture, the voices of media, and the internal voices of fear than we've been shaped by the divine voice of truth. But what we will see in our psalm for this morning is that if we would be in our right mind, we must hear God speaking in creation and in Scripture. So the first thing that we must do so that our words and our thoughts would be shaped by truth is to hear God speaking in creation. Look again down at verses 1 and 2 of our text. There we read these words. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. Natural or general revelation is how God has chosen to speak to all of us through His creation. 
And what these verses tell us is that God has designed and created this world in such a way that it speaks true knowledge about the Lord to all people. The sky and the mountains, the birds, the trees, molecules and galaxies all have something to say about God. Not because they are animate, nor because they contain divine sparks or nature, but rather because God has created this world in such a way that His creation gives a true and undeniable witness to His existence and His nature. Listen to the way the Apostle Paul speaks of this knowledge in Romans chapter 1. He says, For what can be known about God is plain to them. Now the them are Gentiles who do not have the privilege of reading the Word of God. But he's making a case to say that they do have a witness about God. He says, For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. There is a witness to every single human being about the reality of who God is and is undeniable. In this secular world in which we inhabit, there are many what we might call godless spaces. And what I mean by that is that we live and work and play in spheres that call us to suspend our belief in God so that we can engage in them. When we go to work, we're called upon to check our beliefs at the door. When we go to schools that are not Christian, we must learn biology, history, and philosophy in such a way that ignores God. When we turn on the TV, for the most part, the world presented to us is a world without God. And so to enter into that world, we have to suspend our belief in God. So often the books we read, the video games we play, the sports in which we participate are devoid of the divine. It's not uncommon for many of us because of this to feel that we are far from God because so many of the spaces that we inhabit call us to suspend our belief in Him. And so we feel like we have to be in church or on a retreat or on a short-term mission trip to feel the presence of God in our day-to-day life. We need a space to inhabit where it is apparent that God is present. Yet what this psalm is teaching us is that no matter how godless a space may seem, in fact, there is no running away from the testimony of God's presence. The heavens are declaring it. Day pours forth speech and night reveals knowledge. Every place and every time there is a witness to God. Look at verse 4 of our text and see how it confirms this. Their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. There are no godless spaces. And if we would find ourselves in a right state of mind, we must hear God's truth being spoken forth in creation. For we have been created in the image of God to inhabit a world that proclaims the glory of God. You have been designed, each and every one of you has been designed to live in such an environment that speaks forth the glory of God continually. And so you need to ask yourself, 
How often do I find myself in an environment that denies that God exists? How often am I forced to play the game in which we all collectively pretend not to hear the resounding voice of God echoing in every aspect of creation? No wonder we feel out of our minds. We are being forced to inhabit a habitat that is not natural to us. When I was young, living in Washington State, there was uh, this place that we would go to. And I'm not really sure what it was. It was kind of like a flea markety type place. It was called the B&I. It's in Tacoma, Washington. And in the B&I, they had Ivan the gorilla. He was a silverback gorilla. And they had him caged there. He was in a cinder block, plain cinder block room with plexiglass on the front. And he was always depressed or angry. And it would draw people there, and I guess that's why they had it. And people would come in, and he would terrorize the children. I remember being terrified of him, thinking he would break through. But it was horrible. Because you knew that was not his environment. Now, thankfully, he got moved to the Atlanta Zoo and got to live out the remainder of his life in a habitat that was more suited for who he is. But you could see, when he was forced to live in a habitat that was not his own, he was out of his right mind. And when we are forced to live in spaces that deny the existence and glory of God, we find ourselves frustrated and upset and drained of all joy. You see, it is enough to overcome us with fear and anxiety and hopelessness when we are forced to live in a world that is godless. For we are out of our environment And it is cruel. But when we listen to the testimony of God's glory in creation, it will fill us with great joy. In verses 5 through 6, we see an example of how creation speaks to us about the truth of who God is. Listen to this one example in verses 4 through 6. It says, In them He has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them and there is nothing hidden from its heat. What this is saying is that the sun proclaims the glory of God as it does what it is designed to do. To watch the sunrise is like seeing a bridegroom leaving its cham- his chamber, it says. Right? It is like a young man on his wedding day who is so excited that he bursts forth from his house and he goes to the church so that he can see his bride. When the sun rises, that is what it's like. That's the enjoyment and excitement that it has. And as it traverses the sky and westers towards its resting place, The Word of God says it's like a strong man who is finishing a race. Now, when I run a race, I don't end it like a strong man. I'm tired. I'm just barely getting across the finish line. But this is saying that the Son is like a strong man who is joyful as he's finishing his course. And as the Son makes this joyful journey each day, it spreads abroad its warmth to bring about growth and life, and as you see it, it should declare to you the glory of God. 
We've been trained to look at the sun as a mere inanimate object whose marvel and wonder are in its physical dimensions and the massive extrusion of heat into our solar system. And yet we miss the true wonder of the sun if we suppress the fact that it obediently and joyfully runs its course each day as the Lord has established. Just as we miss the true wonder of all of creation unless we hear it calling forth God's glory. And to be in your right mind, you need to meditate on how all of creation is proclaiming the unmistakable truth, the glory of God. In the midst of the struggles and the hardships that we are all facing, we must not allow ourselves to approach this struggle as though God did not exist. We must look to the created order and see God's glory is still being proclaimed even in the midst of uncertainty. And yet, as much as we can learn from God's natural revelation in creation, from stars and mountains and birds and trees, there is much that natural revelation cannot tell us. It is God's nonverbal communication. But to be in a right state of mind, we also need a word from the Lord. And this is what we see in verses 7 through 10 of our psalm. It switches from speaking about God's natural revelation to what we call God's special revelation or His Word. Now, verses 7-9 through give to us six descriptions of God's Word and how it brings to those who follow it blessing. So what we're going to do is we're going to go line by line starting in verse 7 and look at each of these six descriptions. First, Verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Now, the law refers to the whole of God's word, not just the portions that have commandments. And the psalmist says that this word of God is perfect. This means that it is whole, that it is not lacking anything that is needed. God has spoken to us in a complete and perfect manner. He has said all that he needs to say in relation to reviving the soul. We have all the divine words that we need for our souls to be revived. God's word is sufficient Are you feeling drained? Are you feeling worn out and discouraged? The Word of God is the perfect medicine to revive your soul. Next, we read in the second half of verse 7, The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Again, we have a word designating Scripture. We have the testimony of the Lord. Then we have a description of that. And then we see how it affects us, right? So the word is testimony. It's described as a sure testimony, making the simple wise. Now this word testimony is his witness. It's his legal and binding word and it's sure. That means that the Lord does not bear false testimony. This is what we call inerrancy. The Bible does not make mistakes. It is a true testimony. And what does this testimony do? It makes the simple wise. It brings wisdom to the ignorant. We have all become a bit disillusioned with the testimony of the news media. I do not think that any of us would say their testimony is sure. 
And yet we continually feed ourselves their take on the world. But if the simple continue to listen to the simple, well, we'll all remain ignorant. But if we would be in our right minds, we must pursue wisdom in this uncertain time through God's unfailing, sure, and errant word. Third, we read in verse 8, The precepts of the Lord are right. Rejoicing the heart. Now the word of God is spoken here as precepts. And precepts are guides for daily living. They're practical and they are right according to verse 8. Now this doesn't mean that they are merely correct. They are correct. Yes, but they are more than correct because they lead us to a joyful prosperous life it is as if they are a map through the haze and the maze of life they provide the answers to questions that we have they are a lamp into our feet and a light into our path in this world of uncertainty we must look to the word of god as the sufficient source for the right path that we are to live and because the precepts of the lord are right they'll bring great joy We see what verse 8 says, that the word of God, these precepts bring rejoicing to the heart. The answer to joy in this world is not ultimately a vacation. It is not ultimately a good meal. It's not a new accomplishment. It's not a certain amount of money. It's not an ideal weight that you want to get to. It is not the defeat of the virus that we are all trying to see uh, defeated. Ultimately, the answer, the path to joy in this world is obedience to God's precepts to live as he is commanded. We read in the second half of verse eight, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Now, the commandment of the Lord is his whole word. The whole of God's word is pure in what it what it is and how it commands us to live. This word pure has a sense of clearness. The word of God is not meant to be a mystery. While there are portions of God's word that are more difficult to understand than others, taken as a whole, the word of God clearly represents to us the way of life and salvation through Jesus Christ alone. It's not murky. It's not cloudy. It is pure. And because it is pure, it enlightens the eyes. The word of God opens our eyes to see the reality of who God is and how we are to live. Fifth, we read in the first half of verse nine, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. Here, the word of God is described in a way that we might not expect. It is described as fear. The fear of the Lord. Fear describes a worshipful approach to God. It is the beginning of wisdom we read in Proverbs. And here it is said that this fear is clean. It's without blemish or spot. The word of God is not a mixed bag of truths. And as such, it will endure forever. As Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. Every day, the world around us changes. 
Things that we have taken for granted are being canceled or are being challenged. And it can feel disorienting. But God's Word never changes. God's truth is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we must give our minds and our hearts and our thoughts over to His Word. Alright. We're almost done. The sixth point. God's Word has a lot to say about itself here. The second half of verse 9. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. You see, the Word of God is described as the rules of the Lord. Now, it might be better to translate this word as the judgments or the verdicts are using the same word, the rulings, the rulings of the Lord. The Lord is the judge of all the earth and He has given us His judgments about what is right and what is wrong, what is true and what is false. And therefore, the Word of God is the standard by which we must judge all aspects of life. We learn that these judgments are true and that they are righteous. God is not misjudged. He has not given us information that will lead us astray. A human judge can make mistakes. He can judge incorrectly. There are times when you have to make a judgment call and you get it wrong. But what we find in the Word of God are judgments that are true and righteous and never wrong. And if you would be in your right mind in the midst of a chaotic world, you must give your thoughts and your words over to the written Word of God. For it will take the hardness of heart and give to you a soul that is renewed. It will take your ignorance and it will give you wisdom. It will take your sadness and it will give you joy. It will take your confusion and give you direction. It will take your wavering and give you endurance. And it will take your illusions and give you proper judgment. No wonder the psalmist continues and says in verses 10 and 11, you can see there it says that the Word of God is more to be desired than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and keeping them there is great reward. Man will dig and search for gold. We know of mass migrations to California, to Alaska, to South Africa, South America, to Australia, This past week, gold hit an all-time high price of over $2,000 an ounce. Man will pay $2,000 for a piece of metal that's about that big. And you might be thinking, I need to get some of that gold. That's a good investment. I need to diversify my portfolio. Maybe that will give me some security in this time of uncertainty if I have a little bit of gold. The Word of God is a much better investment. The Word of God is a much better place to spend your time and your energy. The Word of God is a much better place to find security in this ever-changing world than gold. For it is sweeter than honey and there is great reward to those who will listen to the Word of God and believe it. You see, if we would be in our right minds, if we would have words and thoughts that are pleasing to the Lord, we must listen to the witness of creation. We must listen to the spoken words of Scripture. 
And the final thing I want you to see this morning is that you must listen to God speaking to you words of correction through both. Look at verses 12 through 13. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. In these words, we see that there is within all of our hearts false words. Words and thoughts that will lead us astray and into sin. Who can discern his errors? We are blind to our own errors. It says, keep your servant back from presumptuous sins. We want to wander. We want to. We are inclined towards sin. But the word of God must restrain us from this sin. Let them not have dominion over me. Sin has such power in our lives that it will rule and it will control the way that we live so that we will live in ignorance and sin and ultimately to death. We have very clearly seen that apart from the correcting Word of God, we would wander into sin and it would have dominion in our lives. Ultimately, we must hear God calling us to repentance from our sin and to faith in His life-giving Word. For on our own, none of us are in our right mind. But we have been given over to foolishness. We have been given over to anger and lust and fear. We have walked in ways that are not pleasing to the Lord. As the Apostle Paul says, we are dead in our sin. And we need the reviving Word of God to give us new life. Your heart is speaking to you words of rebellion. But the Word of God is bringing the needed correction and life through Jesus Christ our Lord. In Mark chapter 5, we have the account of Jesus freeing the demon-possessed man. We read of this man. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been bound with shackles and chains. But he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. Now, when Jesus sees this man, we see that he speaks to him a word of freedom. And according to the word of his power, the legions of demons leave this man and he is freed And we read that when the crowds came, they marveled because they saw, quote, the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion sitting there clothed and in his right mind. This is the prayer of Psalm 19. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. That is, let me be in my right mind according to your word. Yet we miss the point if we believe the word of God acts merely as a set of rules or guidelines for people who need a bit of direction. We need to understand rather that we are trapped like this demon possessed man. Sin has dominion over us. Our hearts are deceived. 
We are dead in our sins and our trespasses. And we need the Word of God not merely as a correction, but we need the Word of God as life. For if you use the Word of God merely as a set of rules and guidelines by which you might improve your life, you are like the demon-possessed man who has chains on his wrists that cannot hold you back from sin. And they will just be broken. You need the Word of Christ spoken into your life. You need the redeeming words of the Savior spoken to you that your soul might be revived. For we will continue to be controlled by sin and continue to live in spiritual death until we hear the Word of life spoken and we believe it. We hear the Gospel that the Lord Jesus Christ came and He died upon the cross for our sin. That He poured out His blood to give us atonement for our sin. Forgiveness of our sin. And that He rose from the dead that we too might rise to eternal life through Him. You see, this is what the Word of God is teaching us This is where the Word of God is directing us. We need His pardoning words. We need His righteousness to walk in the way of life. Let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my Redeemer. If the Lord Jesus Christ is not your Redeemer, then you cannot be in your right mind. Your words of your mouth and the meditations of your heart will not be acceptable to the Lord. Yet through the Lord Jesus Christ, you will receive new life and you will be placed in your right mind. In this world of confusion and struggle, don't give your thoughts and your words over to all that is Shifting and uncertain. In the midst of hardships and uncertainties, look to the Lord Jesus Christ in His Word. Give your mind over meditating on His truth, speaking His words. For Christ alone is our rock. And in this uncertain time, He is our only Redeemer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Oh, Father God, we come to you now in this time and we pray, O oh Lord, that you would give to us new life through your word. Speak to us a true testimony of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, and give to us words that are pleasing to you. Thoughts and meditations that are according to your pleasure. We pray, O God, that You would guide us as we walk through this world as pilgrims looking to the world that is to come. We pray this all through Christ's holy name. Amen.